I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I mean, my mom ha- goes to lunch with almost all of my ex-boyfriends. With, like, <laughs> I will be just having a day, and then around, like, 2 p.m., I'll get a text with a photo of my mom and my ex-boyfriend. I'm like, oh, how was Zoe's kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you guys get? How about Yeah, for, didn't know you like Mediterranean. Okay, great. <laughs> Hello, welcome back. It's That's a Gay Ass Podcast. I feel like for season two, I want to do like a little jingle. And I feel like, here's the pitch. Here's the pitch for the jingle. I feel like it should be like, a la Boy Meets World. That's a Gay Ass Podcast. What do we think? Or maybe like an Alicia Keys. That's a Gay Ass Podcast. (laughs) Or is this just like copyright infringement and I can't think of anything original? I don't know. Sound off in the comments. Welcome to this week's episode, my friends. I'm happy you're here. Did you watch the Meghan and Harry interview with Oprah? Of course you did. You have a pulse. Um, whoever wants to talk about it, I just have so many thoughts. I cannot believe that the British media is are such villains. They go to a holiday party at the palace every year. They're like, they're the ones controlling the kingdom. I just I just can't believe it. It's, it's absolutely nuts to me. And the fact that Pierce Morgan left because of things he said, it's all just getting so, so crazy and i just i it feels like we're truly watching an episode of the crown and yet this is real life and there are literally people that have left their thousands year old tradition to come to live by oprah which you know if anything is gonna have you leave a monarchy it's oprah winfrey um there's so much going on my friends uh before we get into the actual chat with tommy who is Really one of my favorite people. I want to give a shout out to my girl, Carly Valancey. I just want to thank her publicly because I she has this program called The Reach Out Party where you basically every weekday you will be in this community either at morning or night and it's all about connecting with people and reaching out in ways that are full of gratitude but you end up getting so much in return from the universe and from people from your past and um, that's literally how I got some very exciting people on this podcast. So... Uh, one of those is a little a little spoiler is that I'm interviewing next week Catherine Cohen, who of course has the podcast Seek Treatment, one of my faves. So um, that and it really is coming from this whole this whole program. Um, basically, I didn't really think I didn't know what was going to come from this when when I started the Reach Out Party, but it's it's really how I got Heidi and Closet on here. It's how I connected with some friends from my past. I had a casting director that I reached out to bring me in for a really cool project. So. Uh, her name is Carly Valancey and Molly Beck are the two people that host this. Molly Beck wrote a book uh, that is about the Reach Out Party. And it starts actually on Mar- March 14th. So if you want more information, just go to CarlyValancey.com. That's C-A-R-L-Y-V-A-L-A-N-C-Y.com. 
or follow her on Instagram. It's at Carly Valancey. Um, and I think you'll absolutely love it. So I need to explain something before we get into this interview with Tommy. <laughs> if you if you follow him on Instagram, you've seen his incredible photos. He's like in full Disney costume on ice. And so, of course, I wanted to ask about that, his amazing videos, all of it. But before we get started, I just kind of casually ask him what he's up to. <laughs> but now you you back in L.A.? Um, no, I'm actually on tour with Dizzy on Ice right now. For some reason, I thought that he was doing a bit, so I decide to do a full improv scene with him. <laughs> what city did you guys just um, finish up in? We were just in Indianapolis, and we are in, I think, North Charleston this week. I don't even know. I just kind of just get on the plane and go to wherever they take me. You guys, he's actually touring with Disney on Ice. <laughs> So while I'm doing a full 10-act play of bits, he's just trying to tell me what he's actually up to. So finally, after like 15 minutes of this, I finally start to read the room. Wait, when when did you when was the most recent show you did with Disney on Ice? I'm I'm on it right now. It's called Dream Big. He's on it now. <laughs> so here I am not able to take social cues, but the only fault Tommy had was being booked and blessed and being on this godforsaken podcast. I guess in my defense, question mark, I'm living in a New York City bubble where I assume because Broadway is closed, all entertainment is forbidden. But of course, Disney is probably touring in the safest way possible in literal arenas where people are distance a football field apart. So I want to publicly apologize to Tommy Doe and thank him for allowing this interview to continue. He, of course, is so funny and smart, and we have actual really deep conversation about creativity and our values, and uh, he's an amazing actor, writer, and comedian. Really, if you don't follow him, his videos are next level genius. He has recreations from Romy Michelle's high school reunion. He does a bit where there's a, a, a TikTok couple where he pretends he's in a throuple with them and they do the most like <laughs> hilarious things for likes. And he always then cuts to himself as the third person, like trying to get in on it. And they're clearly not going to let him. Uh, you need to watch all of his videos. I could literally talk to you for hours about all of my favorites. His handle is at Tommy underscore Doe. So it's T-O-M-M-Y underscore D-O. And it, it, you will, I promise, it'll be worth the follow. Also follow me. It's at Eric Wills, E-R-I-C-W-I-L-L-Z. Uh, and it really means the world if you give us a, a review and uh, you, you subscribe. Uh, or I hear they're changing it to follow. So follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening and um, enjoy. What is your relationship to the Disney shows themselves? Like, do you, when you're on ice, is it something that you're treating like a, a day job or does it feel like you're still having some sort of like soulful connection to it? Um, there's still, there's still a performance aspect that I get really excited by and there's the audience energy and like, there's something about live performance. You know, I'm, I'm a very, I do act, but like, I'm very specific in that. Like I can play, like I can do like one thing. I'm like, a, like I can do like one like I've one no, I'm not versatile in any way. It's I, I just there's there's nothing. There's no range, and I don't you know there's nothing. It's not. I mean that's that's why I hesitate to call myself an actor. Um, so I was never in any way going to be able to be like a live performer in like a on stage sense. So um, this so being able to do this, I'm very lucky to be able to like 
do live performance and feel the audience's energy and reaction and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, there's a reason why so many people say who are actors in any sense that theater is their first love and performing live is their first love because there is a magic to it. And Disney on Ice, I'm sure, makes so many people so happy. And especially right now when they're looking for an escape to like be able to watch their stories on ice. I truly am not just saying this because you're here. Watching figure skating is one of the most my one of my favorite things to watch during the Olympics. I think it is such an incredible art it is so you're combining so many skills physically athletically artistically it's like you have to have a very specific skill set and i think it's what you're doing is checking off about 55 boxes doing disney on ice i think sure yeah it's i mean figure skaters i feel like have a specific skill set it's not just me i'm I'm not like trying to be like i have all of these things but it's also like i skaters who are in the Olympics have like this specific mental capacity that like I, it's really wild what they're able to kind of compartmentalize and um, what zone they have to be in, in order to create a performance that looks effortless. So um, yeah. Did you ever, when you were, when you were young, did you have dreams like dreaming about being in the Olympics and wearing the outfit? Or was it something that you knew that you wanted to transition into more performance off the ice or both? Um, I mean, I grew up skating around the time of like Tara Lipinski and Michelle Kwan. And those were like the years of like, holy moly, like, yes. if only I could be Michelle Kwan, do you know what I mean? So in that sense, sure. But for me, I didn't really like competition. I was very much more in the artistic performance side than like the technical stuff. Well, it sounds like then it's kind of like a, a very good, a very good gig right now. So. Yeah. It's a great transition. Well, speaking of transitions, I want to talk about the content you're making that is just so... I mean, there's so many levels of brilliance to it. And I think one of my favorite things is that everything feels so you and from your twisted mind and it's so organic. So my question for you is, what is the process when you are making something? Like, is it that you have a spur-of-the-moment idea and then you make it as fast as you can? Or is there more of like a, a build-up process? It depends. I mean, there are definitely times I see like TikTok trends. I do like that series where I'll like show you a trend that's on TikTok and then I'll like kind of yes and it and then like give you my interpretation of what I, you know, those seeing those patterns, those kind of come to me really quickly in a way that they're just like a genuine reaction that I have that, oh, this might be, this is the way I feel towards this. But then there are times where I do like a thruple video or something like that. I really want to. I have like this thruple uh, where like I kind of not spoof, but I kind of place myself in videos with this online couple online. Oh, I, I am very, very well acquainted with this thruple. I think, you know, the, the French, the French guy trying to pronounce all of the words and then it cuts to you just doing the dishes in the corner. I think it's, <laughs> so how did you, how did you, were you just like on TikTok and, and those, those, that couple popped up? Yeah. They're on my discover page. Um, I really want to build like a world around them. And I really, I'm so fascinated and just like, sometimes I'll just imagine what their day is actually like and how how they operate and how they like, how they brainstorm to make videos and all that stuff. So for those videos, I'll take a little bit of an extra time. Like I'll save a video that I think is super funny or, um, super like they're being like super mushy gushy or like loving towards each other. That's very performative. I love those videos so much and I'll just save those videos and then I'll just kind of like try to build a world around them. Absolutely. Do you think they turn off their camera and are they genuinely happy as a couple or what do you think happens when they're not recording? I don't know. I think 
There is something to be said about people who are very ambitious and they're ambitious together um, and who want to achieve something and are very goal oriented and they find that partner and they're able to do that with that partner. There is something to be said about that. You see that a lot in skating too, where people who are uh, may not necessarily be the most compatible outside of the skating world, but are great pair skaters. They kind of decide together like, okay, we both want this goal to be obtained. So we kind of are just going to put that as a priority and um, work together to achieve those goals. Yeah. Um, There's something to be said for two people who can be partners in that way. Cause it's not easy, especially if it's romantic and then artistic and creative. Like, right. uh, like my husband, and I get along very well in so many ways, but I think I found especially creatively that we can really bounce ideas off each other in a certain way. But also I, we could not be Chip and Joanna Gaines. We could not be this TikTok couple. We like, I just, it's not, it's not a, it's not us. Right. 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 And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think no. for a while, I think maybe I try to make it more of that. But once you just realize in your partnership, the way that things are naturally going, I think you got to lean into that. And you know what? You're, you're right. Giving these, these guys credit that they are able to do this in a very ambitious way. And they've got, something's got to be working for them to be able to still do it and have some kind of joy. Yeah. They figured out their formula and they figured out what they need to do in order to like gain traction or viewership and all those things. So I think that's not necessarily what I'm looking for in a partner, but if that is what they're looking for, then, you know, more power to them. Totally. Well, that does bring up to me what, when you are looking for a partner, is there, especially with your creative life, do you have a, a vision of the type of person you would like to be with in terms of supporting your art, but maybe as you're saying, maybe not being the TikTok type couple. What's like, what, what do you, what are your, what's your, on your vision board? Um, I don't know. I'm, I like to think of myself as a private person. Also the fact that like anytime the conversation would ever become about my personal life, like I feel like people aren't interested. So like that kind of TikTok couple isn't really, I don't know. It's, I've never had, I don't know. I, for me, if I were to post that video that like Nick and Pierre posted, I, I'd be like, who cares about this? Like, why would people care? Why would people be interested? Like, that's so silly to me. And it doesn't, for me, in my sense, or like in any like writerly whatever, I don't think that they're, yeah, it's just like not my vibe, I guess. I you like know. to keep the world separate. The videos you create, you don't necessarily need it to be a, a, a commentary on your dating, on your partner. Right, right. And so I in that sense, healthy. I, I think it's healthy. I guess. But in, and so in that sense, I think that in terms of like relationships, I think that if we both have our own thing going and we're able to support each other, wherever we can support each other, that's great. Um, as long as there's like some kind of like drive or passion or ambition, it doesn't matter really what field. Then I'm excited. Other than that, it's like, yeah, I think that's also beautiful because as long as there's passion and ambition, but also boundaries, boundaries are key. I mean, I come from a Jewish family that has never met a boundary they like. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I've had to learn. I've had to learn, Tommy. Of like, oh, wait a minute. I don't need to share everything. I don't need to talk about everything. Like I was in a relationship where every time there was a little tiff, I was like, well, I guess we have to talk about every aspect of it. And my ex was like, why do you care? Why are we? And then of course it would create a fight because we were talking about it. So we're all learning, Tommy. We're, we're all learning. We're all trying our best. I mean, my mom ha- goes to lunch with almost all of my ex-boyfriends with <laughs> like, like I will be just having a day. And then around like 2 PM, I'll get a text with a photo of my mom and my ex-boyfriend. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> ha- 
how was Zoe's kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you guys get? How was yeah, didn't know you like Mediterranean. Okay, great. <laughs> Good. I Good. mean, that's kind of a beautiful, devastating image to see your mother with your ex. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how I would feel if I would see if I, if I saw that. I mean, they just, yeah, they, they love her and she loves them. So who am I to stand in the way of love? Who am I? In the way. Who are you? I mean, it's a testament to your mom, really. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, that actually brings me to talking about family, talking about growing up. What is it that you think made you gay? Was there a pop culture moment? Was there a movie? Was there an, an actor? What What do you think did it for you? I definitely thought about this. I think, I mean, the Britney Spears, obviously, that was like really, I, you know, oops, I did it again. That time period, I was like, wow, the beads, that image of her with like the the beads crazy. Um, and then I really idolized like, uh, the simple life, Paris Hilton, oh Nicole Richie. That to me was like, and I think it was, it was there. It was them for sure. But I think it was the concept that really made me like excited. I was, this is so cool to like, or fun to see like a kind of a social experiment in this way. And, um, the way that they reacted to, the way that they were like exact opposites of like their environment. Yeah. Really, I was really drawn to that. I mean, so, it really was an experiment of putting these personalities in scenarios that you would never picture them. And it was, I mean, in a way like high camp, you know what it is I'm realizing right now is that it's kind of, did you see Ingrid goes West? Yes. Yeah. There's that moment with Lizzie Olsen and Aubrey Plaza. They asked that random guy at a gas station to take their photo and he makes, they make him get on the ground. It's kind of that, but what, right. 15 years before it's just like this hilarious combination of worlds. I haven't thought about that show in a long time, but I think it, I think it, it shaped me as well. I, I just love how, like, I mean, eventually it got really produced and eventually it got very, you know, but I think the first two, three seasons, it felt very, um, it felt very not because they have not been, they have not experienced anything like this. They're, they speak a different language. So it, it, there are subtleties to them just kind of like opening the door and surprising them with a world they haven't seen. That I that really fascinated me. Oh yeah, totally. But it also, I think it kind of was an early experiment in terms of reality TV and just seeing real situations play out. I don't know how what time period it was in terms of my life on the D list with Kathy Griffin, but it all feels <laughs> like those were like of the same era of just the beginnings of reality TV. Right. Um, do you what is your relationship to reality TV now? Is are there shows that you watch or is it not for you? It's not really for me. I um I watched the Kardashians when they first started. I I really enjoyed like the first few seasons of like a normal family living in Calabasas. I really got off on that. I don't know why. I just like wanted to see them like go to their like their dash store that they have in the like, closet. <laughs> <laughs> I just like kind of like 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 I don't know. I just really like the how monotonous it was kind of in a way. And then they just would have like little tiffs here and there. Um, now the later season is kind of, it just, it's so crazy. I don't really get off on the fact that like their house looks like a, a library or the Smithsonian. I don't, <laughs> I don't really care I about mean, that. It- truly insane but also i think talking about things being overproduced when you start to see the wheels turning in their heads about storylines that's when it does become less of a actual real show you're watching because the whole reality tv thing is like yeah we want to see real life you want to see the drama but when you can tell they're sitting in a meeting and planning out what the drama can be it makes the actual drama like 
we, the audience is smarter than that. Right. And I also, I just really have a fascination. A lot of reality TV is about being wealthy and being rich. And I, I really just have a fascination with like suburbia and like Mm. normalcy in the way, in like the most like simplistic sense and like white picket fence or people's idea of like the American ideal that like that, like base level. I'm really fascinated by that. And what people think is like, enough for them to be like, well, we can just die here. This is good. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm oh, just, a, yeah. Like desperate housewives, like on ABC, like that to me is like people's, like, I mean, it was, you know, produced and choreographed and all that, all those things, but it's people's idea of normalcy. I really am fascinated by. So in terms of real, like real housewives, it's not, I don't really care about like rich people getting drunk and yelling at each other. Well, it also kind of brings up the question of what are we, how do we want to live the rest of our lives? Do what, like, I sometimes ask myself, would I be happy with a suburbia life? Like, would I be happy moving into a house that's more, more than 800 square feet? And I have a car that I get to, you know, go to the Safeway and then go to my child's soccer game. And then I come home and I might have a game night every once in a while. I sometimes think I'm like, would I actually be happy or would I be a desperate housewife and be then? drawn to murder someone yeah that is (laughs) that is i have that question in my head a lot like and i love i mean i just watched young adults have you seen that with charlize theron i have seen that okay like she asks those questions she is that representation of like these people have in her head nothing just by like staying in their own like their small town and not like growing outside of it um and she just is like why are they so happy with so little and it's so it's so fascinating, but maybe that's what we, that's maybe that's what I need. I don't know. Sometimes exactly. I find we, myself being so self-destructive and I'm like, maybe I just need that. <laughs> I know we don't. That's the scary thing is we don't know what a, we want and B we need like that. Right. And especially during right now where, you know, my, all the things I had going right before everything shut down, of course, ended. And so when I had all this time to think, I was like, wait a minute, what if what I'm doing is not at all what I want to be doing? What if what I actually want and what it would fulfill me is to do the things I've been running away from, which is like, I don't want to be in the middle of the country in a place that doesn't have Broadway. I don't want to be. It's like, wait a minute. Right. What, what if I would be perfectly happy there? Yeah. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. And there's when nothing I, wrong. Right. No. I When I first moved to New York and I was like, I was just so like a jerk about it. I was like, oh my God. Like I got out. I got out. I have a life. I'm an artist. And then I went back to my small town in, in uh, Boston. Like I grew up out 40 minutes south of Boston. Small town. I, I saw, I, I met up with this girl and she just was happy as can be. And I was like, oh you could have done the same thing that I did. Like moving to anyone can pick up and move to New York. I didn't discover anything different. I'm not this like great pioneer who like is happier. You just didn't feel like in your body that you needed to do that in order to be happy. I don't know. I mean, it's true. It's like some people are present human beings who look around them and they appreciate the cake they've made. They appreciate the grass outside their home. And meanwhile, I get to New York and I'm like, I need to make these things happen. I need to meet these people. I need to see this thing. But turns out, you maybe that to. isn't. Yeah. Maybe that isn't it. Maybe that isn't yeah. it, Tommy. Ugh. I think we're going to figure it out. I just don't know when or how. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had some thoughts during like the whole pandemic and the quarantine and all that stuff. And definitely, I think just finding things that make you feel like you're home, finding a sense of security, a sense of comfort, wherever that might be for you. That's truly 
the secret. And then that, that'll make your ability to do whatever you're passionate about flourish or be better. I always thought that like you had to be uncomfortable in order to like mm-hmm. create good work or whatever you might think that is. But I really found, I mean, at least for me, I was like, Oh, I need to like be in a place where like, I don't have to be scared all the time. And then I can like get my bearings around me and then like make a real observation that might be, that might apply to other people. Right. You know? There's the, it's totally. And there's also the idea of the tortured artist, the starving artist. There's right. the idea of the pulling from all of your trauma, the more trauma, the better, the, the bigger monster you are as a person, the more successful you'll be. And I, right. I, I I actually have had that sort of dialogue within myself of seeing some people that seem to be very successful, quote unquote, but are not kind to people around them or that are, you know, clearly tortured. And sometimes I actually, I used to think, well, wait a minute, the most successful people are the craziest and most chaotic people. And I realized that's not the case. And we don't have to always pull from trauma, always be uncomfortable, like you're saying. And there's that baseline security comfort yeah presentness that actually can you can pull from that place it's like and it's the whole idea of maybe if does that mean living in a suburban type place that allows you to be happy and then create the things you want maybe maybe i mean that's what i found that's what i've always found for me i mean that is why i came back to disney on ice after living in la and i was working in la for a little bit i was a uh, an actor's assistant out there and i just felt like every day was like being shot out of a cannon And I just, it was just so unpredictable and I wasn't able to like ground myself in a way that to make an observation to write in a way that, and make work that I was actually like excited by. So I went back to Disney on Nice because I knew, I knew how to have this job. I knew how to work here. So I kind of just found that base comfort level and then was able to kind of make observations from there or whatever. So uh, let's see here. There's so many videos of yours that I really, really love. Um, one of the awesome days for the internet was when you and Benito Skinner both came out with Hillary Duff videos, I believe. Yes. Uh, L- Lindsay Lohan videos. You both came out with Lindsay Lohan videos. What performance was it from? Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Well, how do you think that happened where the universe had two incredible creators do this? I, I do not know. I was... Uh, first of all, Benito Skinner is so hot. I just can't, he looks gorgeous in every video he does. He's like, he's a gorgeous person on his own. Yeah. Like every, his videos are so well produced and all the costumes look great. I look so cheap. Like I look, (laughs) I I just throw like whatever I can find together. And I, and I, you know, I, but here's the comparison. Yeah. There's, and the thing is, is that I actually think that what you both did was so beautiful and, and we just got to enjoy two really good takes. They were both so good. And I think it was crossover similarities, but also differences that are specific to you and to him. And I just, right. it was actually, I think what's, there's such an interesting culture, especially with gay people, gay comedians, whatever. It's just like sometimes of, well, I have to be a bitchy queen and maybe not champion each other. But it really seemed like in that moment that, you were two people that were just like fans of each other. I love Benito so much and he's been so nice to me and supportive of everything that I've done. And I met him maybe like a year ago and we started talking like, he's just so funny and so great and so kind. And yeah, I really love him. And that's, and that's, I think a testament to people who are incredibly talented, incredibly smart. And they realize that it's all about collaboration and community and you don't have to be not a nice person. And I think that it's, it makes me very happy to hear that he is 
as kind as he seems. Yeah, he's great. I mean, and I don't, yeah, like what you just said, I don't want to live in that world where everyone, there's room for everybody. There's, if, if you're, if you have an inspiration, it's come from, it's from a genuine place and should be celebrated. And I, I want to live in a space where we can all be excited about what each other is excited by. You know what totally. I mean? Totally. And I think yeah. that, that that makes me curious because I really have such a respect for you and the things you make and they're just so fucking funny. Is there do you ever have critics in your head or imposter syndrome or self-doubt that you have to work through or have you been able to find a process that quiets those voices and focuses on the things you're making? Of course I have yeah, there are definitely times where I'm like, oh, this is not like I'll write like a script or something and I'll feel like this is not my best work or I'll feel like no one this is not gonna get made or all those things. Of course. But then I, I'm you know, I watch movies like I don't know, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four and I'm like, that got made. So <laughs> I mean that got made with a lot of money too. Yeah. So I I see a lot of stuff and I'm like, oh I, I could do that. You know, so uh, that kind of just quiets those voices a little bit. And uh, yes, I, don't know. I was also thinking too, like things like that movie get made. Also, the mask singer, the mask dancer. I mean, these things are getting made that someone is pitching to a room of executives. Like, listen to this. This is a show where D-list celebrities put on mascot heads, and then somehow there's a microphone that catches them singing just okay. And some right. group of executives just like, absolutely, that's absolutely yes. So, like, why not? Why not? Have right. Unhinged that you make get made and be seen. Right. I, I yeah. I, especially the mass dancer. I mean, the mass singer. It's not like just do like a. It's like a quick impulse purchase kind of show, right? It's like let's just do it. It'll be. It has all the formulas of like we'll get the people who like CeeLo Green, and then like that'll that'll be that. And it's like a quick like cash grab, right? Yes. Mass dancer. How you don't know how anyone moves in any way, shape, or form, unless you're a dancer. Like, I don't know how, you know what I mean? I don't know how you, Laura Dern dances. Like, <laughs> you know what? That pirouette was a Laura Dern pirouette. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You're how right. You know, I didn't even think that's a very sophisticated way of looking at it. Cause you're right. There's no way of guessing someone's fuete. There's no way of guessing someone's like the way they walk across the stage. But also on top of all that, they're wearing like a bulky costume. Yeah. I mean, singing, I guess you can kind of guess their voice and you can kind of guess their tone. Like Wendy Williams is an obvious answer. Like that's so fun (laughs) and funny. Right. But like, yeah, there's no way you could guess like Reese Witherspoon. Well, speaking of being produced so heavily, when you watch the judges try to guess it's maybe it's my own conspiracy theory, but I was watching with my in-laws and I felt really bad because I was kind of shitting on it a little bit. And they clearly, it brings them a lot of joy. Who am I to, who am I to shit on a show that makes them so happy? But the whole time I was just like, these people, (laughs) the judges know, okay? The judges know. And it turns out they apparently don't, but it's just hard for me to believe that they're all in the same stage, in the same backstage area. And they are able to make the judges be like that. Okay, wait a minute. Is that... Kamala Harris. I was like, of course it's not Kamala Harris. Like, okay, no, no, wait. Right. Is that um hmm? And they in, insert the most like insanely famous people. It's like, oh wait a minute, no, it's it's Wayne Gretzky. No, it's like usually the girl who like I don't know, saying Friday the song or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, we bless, <laughs> bless bless you, Rebecca Black. I hope you're doing well. Um, I think she is. I just saw a Vice interview with her. I think she is doing well. I think Good for her. 
Yeah. But that also goes to what you're saying about, you know, when things get made and it's also, everything's an experiment. You know what? Pitch your, pitch your mass singer show, make your song about a day of the week that it's right before the weekend. You know what? Make it. And then people might, might be obsessed. Yeah. I think that if it's an honest observation, if it's comes from a place that you've thought about it, then it's worth exploring. This is inspiring, Tommy. This is inspiring. I, <laughs> as a, as a, I'm, I mean, I'm deeply, I'm deeply like, I have imposter syndrome. This is like easier said than done. I like, I sit with an idea and I'm like, I don't know. But I think at the end of the day, that's definitely how I feel. It's like, if you, if you have an honest observation, it come that comes from somewhere that comes yeah. from a combination of your like experience, your upbringing, nature versus nurture, all those things, plus your environment. Like that's, that's a real thing. So that's yeah. worth trying to convey in, in whatever medium is your, you know, medium. Yeah. And I create a lot of videos that I take from an honest place of inspiration and I talk myself through the posting of it, meaning like I hear the the self-talk and then I, and all the critics, and then I just try to bat them away enough to, to release it on whatever platform. But the sad thing is there definitely have been times where I do let the voices overpower and I don't post it. And it's just mm-hmm. like, it's, it's not worth silencing ourselves. Let someone else silence us. Sure. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Do you ever post something and then you start to get in your head about how it's doing, how it's being received? Or do you, do you try to post something and just kind of let, let whatever happens happen? It's a balance. I think that there, I think that making videos and in, in my head, is a it's like kind of like a customer service industry it's like if you if this is what you want i'm trying to like find the intersection between what i think you want and what i have to say and find that space Mm. and um if it's something that you want then great but if it doesn't if it's not something you want then one doesn't exist without the other kind of, it could be an honest observation, but maybe it's not the majority or it's maybe my own and maybe it didn't, or maybe it wasn't expressed in the correct way, or maybe it just didn't come across in the way that I hoped it came across. So I think that that definitely, I, I definitely think about that. I don't get caught up on the numbers really. I really, I'm really, I really get excited by the comments. So like if people feel an impulse to go, I agree with this, then I feel really like I hit a, a sweet spot. If people are just liking just to like it out of, you know, what, I don't know, whatever people just, or an impulse like, or whatever it might be, then that doesn't really get me as excited. Um, yeah. I think that's so, I, I love that. I mean, it's so nice to when you start to hear from people that are fired up by the things you make. And if anyone here is listening that enjoys Tommy Doe's videos, I mean, up comment people, comment. I want, yeah. And I don't really respond to comments. I don't really respond to, and it's mostly because it's like by making that video, I kind of said what I have to say. I don't need to like talk about it anymore. I think that it's pretty clear how I feel. And I think, yeah. So I just want like, I don't know. I, I think if you have something to say, say it. And then, you know, other people can talk about it underneath the comments yeah, or whatever. You need to put a hat on a hat. Come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know I what I say? totally know. Ugh. Well, okay. So this actually brings me to, because people me included, love the videos you make about the TikTok couples, about the the trends on TikTok, but also just like so many funny things about influencers, which is its own world. One of the questions that I have is the videos you make when they put yourself in the world of these people. Have you ever heard from these influencers in any sort of reaction as a way that they think it's funny or just like a random uh, message? What Have you had any interaction with the people that are in the videos you make? 
Yeah, I, I've gotten both ends of the spectrum. There are definitely people who understand um, what they're doing is kind of, you know, just like being just like loving capitalism, I guess. And just <laughs> like, and, but they're like, I'm doing it to make money. And then at that point I'm just like, yeah, I mean, more power to you and get your, get your coin. Like that's, that's what, you know, I don't, I, who am I to say? Um, but then there are definitely people who can't see the joke and then they like take themselves very seriously and they get really offended and mad at me. And in those cases, I get very like, I'm never trying to go after one person. So if that specific person is not having fun, then it's not fun. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get pleasure out of like telling you that what you're doing is like incorrect in my eyes or whatever. Like that's not fun for me and that's not fun for anybody. So if you truly don't get the joke and you're really offended and you're really upset, then that's the end of that. I mean, I'm just trying to make a point in a larger sense. I'm not trying to make a point in this, like your specific situation. So if you yourself can't take the joke, then I don't have a problem with that. And we can just move on and forget about it. Um, I, the goal is just to have, just to show examples of what is, and the thing is that I, I come from a place of like, we're all on the same team. There is no world where I am not guilty or whatever of thoughty behavior. I've posted plenty of shirtless photos or have wanted attention in that sense plenty of times. I just want all of us to kind of just maybe see that we're all like responding in a pattern that maybe we're not critically thinking about. That's all. Mm. I, I think that we, the reason why there are so many people who are being influencers and think that that's like the correct way to go is because we're informing that, right? We're liking those photos. We're giving those, those posts more attention. And so they think, Oh, in turn, Oh, I'm getting attention for this. This is what's driving my traffic or whatever. So I better produce more of this content. We're informing them of the content that they're producing. So we're equally as guilty or whatever as everybody else. So I just think that, like coming from the idea of like maybe that we as a group decide what i don't know what is valuable towards t- for to us for us what we need and what we want all of those things so i think that i'm just trying to offer maybe another option of what of how we spend our day that's all and you're also i think pointing out what those things can be that maybe aren't serving all of us. I think that's so that what is great is like showing how absurd certain trends can be showing how funny the lovey dovey stuff is. I think it's, it puts a light on the absurdity of, of some of the things that we do and try to get likes for. And I think that it, yeah, it really is a good point that we tell the influencers what to post more of and, and but it's also like a kind of a, a sad cycle of sometimes where our own insecurities are liking something and so that tells them to post more of it so they're posting more things that feed into our insecurities and there's of course all that you know the what's that documentary that's about being on our phones and being controlled by our phones that oh yeah it came out on netflix this year right I, yeah I but it was it. it was dark it was like a dark example of how it's sort of orchestrating our thoughts and it it does i think your videos obviously are very funny and and reveal many crazy things about what we do but also it kind of hopefully puts a check on some people of wait a minute are we are we putting things out there that are actually serving us in a positive way Sure. Yeah. I, I, I just want to give the option of critical thinking. I don't, I'm so tired of acting on impulse and acting on maybe obligation mm-hmm. or what, uh, what other people are feeling or doing. And I think that we're, I think that's what's the thing that they're, that advertisers and, you know, capitalism in a larger sense, that's what they're 
controlling. They're controlling your impulses. They're controlling your habits. And so I think that if the sooner we kind of like take hold of that, the more better decisions we can make for ourselves, I think. Uh, I agree. Also, I, I just think talking about impulse and just trying to get likes, like I've definitely been guilty of just like, you know what, I'm a little sad. I'm gonna take my shirt off and and then just take this picture and, and see what happens. And I, I think there's just so much to that. <laughs> I, I will say, though, like, I feel I, I have that impulse as well. I feel like there's something in me sometimes where I'm like, I'm just gonna do this for the likes, like really quick, or like, sometimes I'll think of a video and then I'll have to re-examine that idea of like, is, am I doing this because I think it's funny or am I doing this because I'm married? I'm, I'm, I'm seeing th- two things in my head that I can put together in order to like the mass singer, like kind of just get a quick grab of like likes. And I really, I, the likes that I do get from making a video like that feels like cheap. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel good for me. It feels very like, like, like I love McDonald's, but I feel very like not satisfied in a way that I should be satisfied. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. you're, you're, you're getting yourself a happy meal when really you want to focus your work as like cooking up a really good bolognese. Sure. Yeah. Great. You should see <laughs> me in therapy with my therapist. I just try to make everything an analogy and he watches my wheel. He watches my wheels turn as I'm like, you know, it's like, um, um, so like in a bolognese, there's, um, so, you know, garlic, um, with the sauce and it's half the session is just me coming up with analogies, maybe just to distract myself from the, the, the actual things I should be talking about. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, I think it's, it's really powerful. Just the, the, the things behind your videos, of course, like there's, it, it's, it's, it goes to show you why you connect with an audience because while of course it comes from your own specific brand of comedy, there's actually like a, there's a depth to what the commentary is on and what, yeah, this is me just telling you that this is great. Um, very nice. Yeah. I mean, I try. I just, I don't know. We're all, yeah, we're all, all we can do is all try. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that you make that I, that I really think is amazing are the kind of the, the flash warnings you give before you do the, the shot for shots of um, parent trap and the, uh, Sex and the City yeah. Kristen Johnson. I think that sex in the city scene is one of my favorites in the entire series. Um, actually funny fact is that when I was in college, Kristen Johnston taught a class that I was in and it was such a crazy time. She was coming out with her book that she was about to release and she would read chapters to us from her book. And she of course was hilarious and crazy. But one of my favorite, favorite memories of hers is we were getting ready to start the class. The first scene was about to perform. And so she said hello to the class and then she walked behind everyone sitting there. And I guess she was getting ready to kind of prop herself up against the table. That was a fold-up table in the back to start the scene. She's like, all right, let's get started. And all of a sudden, we hear the loudest crash. We all look back. She's on the floor on her back. Clearly, the table had collapsed beneath her. And she just went, I broke my leg. It was a complete joke. She was completely fine. <laughs> but it I'm was shocked. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was just like one of those moments where you realize like Kristen Johnston is on the floor in this acting class and she's just so funny and so her. And um, I just think there's a reason why so many people love her is because again, she's so specifically herself. Yeah. She's so funny. So funny. It's almost like there's just certain people like that, like the whole Jennifer Coolidge video of the the camera panning up and then just cuss her going, hi. Hi. Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't think anyone else could have like that sort of <laughs> like it's, magnetic energy on camera by just saying the word hi. Oh, it's just it it's such a crazy character, but it's so grounded in a weird way. And it's yeah, it's I am obsessed. Just the depths of her lungs saying hi is <laughs> all I ever want. <laughs> When also speaking of any drama, he really read me to filth when he said that all gays know how to do the Jennifer Coolidge impression because I used to be like super proud of it. (laughs) But it's true. All you got to do is like move your mouth in a certain way. And that's Jennifer Coolidge. But you're right. There is like a groundedness to her. I mean, there's a reason why she can do American Pie and Legally Blonde and Best in Show. And the characters are all different. Yeah, they're different. How different? You know, it's like, but how? Yeah, I mean, they're not, she's not transforming in a way that you're like, is that Jennifer? You know, like, no, that's Jennifer. But they're, yeah, they're all different in situations. But I think it all comes from this, like, place of, it's just so grounded of, like, that's why it doesn't feel that different, I think. It's because it's, like, from this, like, depths. Like, when she, like, when she says hi, I can tell that her feet are planted in the ground. Uh. Do you know what I mean? Like it comes from like the the earth. Like that comes yeah. from the earth. Yeah. Can you um can you pretend you're Jennifer Coolidge? The camera pans up to you. How how and and give me a hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. But I'm you, so bad. No, it was in the person. eyes. It was in the eyes. I saw the years. I saw the years you were looking at. I saw in the distance the the breakups, the the pain, the joy, yeah, the, the joy. <laughs> so this actually brings me to a question that I like to ask uh, my guests: Is if the world's ending and there's only one character actress that you can save, who do you think should be left? Lisa Kudrow. Am I the only one who said that? You're. No. I mean, I'll be you, one I, of. 25 no you're not actually i'm sorry you you know you are the only person that has chosen her for the final character actress however we did talk about the comeback in a recent episode but i think choosing lisa kudrow is very smart and i think we get we get a lot out of lisa kudrow lisa kudrow is the one like she's the one i mean i was thinking about this last night sherry shepherd's up there for me Mm. um (laughs) The Queen of Jordan episodes on 30 Rock. Like, it's just chef's kiss. I really, chef's kiss. Um, but Lisa, like, comeback is... Do you think it... Why do you think it didn't have a longer run? I mean, every season it got was great, but do you think that, do you think it was too niche? I think that it's hard to sell subtlety. It's really hard to tell someone... Or like in a commercial, be like, the in-between moments are the best moments. It's hard to pop those because the second that you say like, watch this moment, it's not really it, you know? I think that it's it's hard to tell someone, hey, I know you've been a busy day, but sit with this and like consume this and like really think about it because it has it's smart and has something to say. It's really hard to do that. So I think that's why. A hundred percent. Yes. Right. It's also just, a, it's a, not to get deep about every fucking mode of content and, and, and art, but selling something is different than the thing you're making. So when they have to market a show like that, it probably feels very difficult to be like, okay, this is a show about an actress played by Lisa Kudrow. I mean, like what, what, besides 
us? Like, how do you market towards people that are going to really want to watch that story? And of course, everyone should watch it, but it's, I feel like it's hard to sell. Right. That's why it took a little bit of time for it to kind of get it going, just because it, it took enough people to sit with it like spend the time to watch it, sit with it and be like, Oh, this is actually really good. This is like, this is genius. Um, but like every show that you see that like moves that has like an explosion of popularity, you can market those shows really quickly. It's not, it doesn't take a, like, you know, a rocket scientist to be like sex in the city. It's like fast. It's like they have quippy, they have quippy language. Their language is like really, they'd speak in very, um, I don't know, the wordplay, you know, all of those things. And it's like they can, and there, there is a lot of deeper things that happen in sex in the city, but on the surface, it's like, this one is, this one loves sex and that's okay. And this one, you can do that with that. But with the comeback, it's really hard to be like, it's about like, it's a really sad, happy, struggling, awkward moment, like struggling actress, like trying to get back in the spotlight. It's really like what you said. Yeah, you can't distill it into one like little like I my friend Esther and I have a joke where it's like every Fox TV show is like he's gay and she likes YouTube next on Fox. It's like everything is like boo 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 boo. And with the comeback, you can't you can't do that. Right. I mean, like look at Mean Girls. Mean Girls has a lot to say about culture, a lot to say about how you know girls but people treat each other um and like there's a lot of subtleties in that movie that you're like wow and a lot of it comes from the actresses too but i think that it's easy to sell because it's like poppy in that way it's like these four girls are mean and they're mean to each other and they're gonna be mean and you're like wow i'm gonna watch that like that's hilarious we're going to call it mean girls. They're mean girls yeah so and then you know for a while everyone was like regina george is like i mean a lot of reasons, a lot of the reason why people are drawn to that movie is because they want to be like Regina George. And it's like, Oh no, no, you're missing, you're missing, <laughs> you're missing it. Like she's not the thing you want to be like, that's but people think that, I mean, the, that's, I'm just saying in general people, but I really mean me, but the <sighs> reason why I was drawn to that movie was because I was like, Oh, this person is deciding to be, I don't know. I feel like her, uh, not vulnerable and controlling her world in a way that I don't feel like I'm in control of my world. Mm-hmm. So if I'm like that, maybe I can control my world as well. So that's why I was drawn to that character. And then over time I was like, Oh, like that's not the way to, that's not it. That's not the message of the movie. I it misinterpreted. Like, <laughs> I mean, I like think that's, that was, it's totally real though. That so many people are like, wait a minute, I want to be this controlling and have this much power. But when I was watching it, I really was like, I think probably similar to you of like, wow, Regina George is this queen bee and uh, Katie Heron is just trying to make her way. But in reality, I was really identifying with Janice Ian, like so right. much of, so much of, I was like, but actually I feel like the person that wants to be in with the in crowd that is like, right. Manipulating an old, a new girl to like get revenge <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. yeah, And just like clearly that's on the outside observing all of the people, but like deeply wishing to be a part of it, but doing somewhat chaotic things in order to, get yourself that sort of social status. And weirdly, yeah. like I of course loved Damien in many ways. Um, would of course thought I, we were so funny when we quoted Danny DeVito. I love your work. But when you actually watch it, it's like, I think there's a reason why so many people had so many connections to the main girls because there's, there was that depth to them of like, 
of right. actually climbing the social status or or being betrayed like with um Gretchen Wieners when Regina right. George essentially when Katie Heron says that Regina George is no longer friends with Gretchen Wieners. And then she has that brilliant monologue where it goes from the classroom to the bathroom. And like, right. That is interesting that her career has not, has not done as well as I think it could have after Gretchen Wieners. Yeah. Lacey Chabert. I think she is on lifetime. I think that is her situation. I mean, I'm sure she's eating. Like I'm sure lifetime pays her up. Pays a lot of money for her. Yeah. I'm sure she's actually quite happy. Yeah, I'm, and it's like a constant job, and she doesn't have to like fight for anything. I'm sure they love her over there. So yeah, I'm going back to the whole what what actually makes us happy, and what you know. I'm sure she's taking yeah. stock and be like, you know what? I walk into this lifetime set. I know everyone. I'm living yeah. the dream. Yeah, we can only aspire to be a regular on a lifetime. <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't have to audition for a Lifetime movie. I'm sure she doesn't have to read. I'm sure they're offer onlys. Like, good for her. Like, work. Like, we could only hope to be there one day. We can only hope. Well, I hope that for you. I hope that for me. Yeah. Um, Tommy, thank you for being here, truly. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like this episode, make sure you come back for more exciting guests. I I just am so thrilled with everyone that's coming on the podcast. Uh, And if you're not subscribed yet, please do so, so you can make sure to catch every episode. Uh, Also, if you want to chat with me about the Reach Out Party, again, my DMs are open. It's Carly Valancey and Molly Beck, so go to carlyvalancey.com, C-A-R-L-Y-V-A-L-A-N-C-Y, and uh, I think you'll really love it. We will see you next week with an incredible guest uh i won't say him yet but don't worry i'll, I'll tease it on the, on the instagram at gay ass podcast and have a great gay ass day Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.